Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. The Sports Rebel Without a Pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it. He is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, directed, in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J. Rose Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is going on, my good people? Greetings. How are you? What is happening? What is the latest and greatest? How's everybody doing out there? Hope your week is going well, as I have a special podcast to deliver to you episode number 125 not only with the new intro which i hope you enjoyed i have to thank the lovely nini meowsers for the voiceover as well as my cousin cyclonus for the instrumental as now moving forward you won't have to worry about when you initially listen to this podcast and you're wondering wait a minute is this a sports podcast is this a tech podcast a book club wellness what is this what kind of music this was as my girlfriend once said it was a pseudo shaft intro for those who remember the movie Shaft back in the day, the early theme. But now as we put that in our rearview mirrors, I have a very special one to deliver to you guys as I discuss everything that's going on in the world of sports. Again, this is the J Reels Podcast with your host, J Reels. For my first timers, welcome aboard. And now 125 episodes for those who have been with me from day one to where I am today. I welcome you guys back. It is a Thursday, April the 16th in the year of our Lord 2020. My special guest is one-time Miami Marlin and New York Met pitcher, AJ Ramos, who joins me here, and we recorded this last Tuesday, so it's been nine days, but nevertheless, it was a very entertaining, engaging, and really fun conversation that we had, just talking about his days of growing up in Texas, making it to Texas Tech, tearing his UCL to get the dreaded Tommy John surgery. We talk about his big league debut, which was very fascinating, because you really get that perspective from a lot of the big league players in any of the sports as far as what was it like to finally either get on the mound or on the ice, the football field, basketball court, etc. So he has a very interesting viewpoint that he shares with me. And we also touch on his 2016 All-Star year. We also discuss his trade from Miami to the Mets, what it was like being on the Mets for a few months. Because remember, he was traded in the summer of 2017 And he pitched those final two months of the year. And then the first two months of 2018 before he tore his labrum on his pitching shoulder. And then unfortunately for the Mets and for baseball, we didn't get to see him since that time. But he's rehabbing. He's working his way back, which we get into. And of course, a couple other stories that we touch on, including one of his favorite stories regarding the dearly departed Jose Fernandez. So sit back, enjoy, or if you're on a treadmill or cleaning, whatever it may be. I certainly greatly appreciate you taking the time out to download and listen to this conversation I have with AJ Ramos. Just a quick sidebar, as I was conducting this interview, you may hear a voice in the background. Don't adjust your volume. Don't wonder what it is. That was just some background noise that uh, may, from time to time, come up or pop up during the course of this conversation, but you'll be able to hear myself and AJ very clearly. So if you're kind of wondering, hey, I'm hearing voices, or I hear something that's going on in the background other than this conversation, so... Just want to give you a heads up on that. So again, people, enjoy. We'll see you back on the other side of this. My conversation with former Marlin and Met pitcher, A.J. Ramos.
All right, on the line, I have former Miami Marlin and New York Met pitcher A.J. Ramos, who joins us here to talk about what's the latest and greatest that's happening with him and also his career. So, A.J., welcome to the podcast. I greatly appreciate it, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Oh. Uh, this is, this is going to be fun, man. No, absolutely, without question. So, my first thing is, with everything that's going on, this coronavirus pandemic, uh, what are you doing to stay sane, active, and healthy throughout this time? Well, it's kind of crazy. You know, I've been telling everybody, everyone's been, you know, kind of checking in on me and asking how I'm doing. And uh, the way every, the way I've been living the past two years is the same thing that I've been doing now, man. I've been focused on trying to get back. You know, I the only time I leave my house is to go to the gym or go to the PT or go get something to eat. Like, right. I, I've been focused on this uh, rehab. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a process, man. It takes my full focus to, to get through it. So, uh, you know, staying sane for me is, is, is working on getting back mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and just the process and doing that. No, I hear you. And speaking of which, cause last we saw you in the big leagues, obviously you came off the mound, I believe it was that city field. And next thing you know, you were headed for so- shoulder surgery on your uh, torn labrum. And we know that's a process. That's a rough injury to get as a pitcher besides of course, Tommy John, which I know you had also, Talk about this process, just not only just trying to get back to the major leagues, but of course, just trying to rehab this so you could be 100%. Well, the, the crazy thing, man, it's going to sound weird, but um, whenever I heard I needed surgery, it kind of gave me comfort because, hmm. you know, I had I had been throwing hurt for a while, man. I mean, when I first uh, felt my shoulder, it was in 2014, and I went on the DL because of it. Hmm. And that's whenever I first tore my shoulder. And when you go, when you have an injury and you continue to pitch and you, you, your body kind of adjusts to it. So you build certain mechanics or certain things to overcompensate the the injury. And that in turn changes everything up. So by the time I was pitching, you know, the worst of it when I was with the Mets, like my mechanics were so different and I was having to, to throw through something that, I was battling my arm and the hitters and you know, that's never a good combination. And then that in turn made it more of a mental like uh worry, I guess, you know, I was mm-hmm. like, damn, am I, am I losing it? Am I losing, you know, my ability? And this kind of showed me that, you know, um, I was throwing hurt because now I'm throwing now and it's, it's going really well. Um, I find myself when I throw the ball, it feels easy mm-hmm. and I never realized how, like how much of a struggle it was for me to throw back then. Like every day I had to prepare for pain and, and now I don't have to worry about that. And I'm able to focus on where the ball's going. Cause everybody knows me. I'm, I was very erratic and I got more erratic as my career went on, mm-hmm. but that's because that's when the injury was, uh, the injury was starting to get worse too. Although, you know, I will never blame the injury on that because I said I'm good to go. And so that means I expect, to do my job and the times I didn't do my job was you know it was I can't it's not because of the arm it's because of the decision I, decision I made to pitch through something like that you know so I'll never blame the injury for that no and that's crazy because you said going back to 2014 and mind you that was the year where you uh, were 7-0 and and your ERA was in the low twos you actually made an all-star team in 2016 and then, obviously, the injury occurred in 2018, although I remember reading that once you got to the Mets, that's where you really started to feel it, that it was really starting to bother you, and even though you were pitching through it. 
So you mean to tell me that you've had this injury going back now six years and you were still able to make an all-star team and still pitch at a high level. It goes to show the type of mental and toughness that you have just going through that, let alone having to pitch through it. 100%, man. It was a a mental grind. You know, of course, as it like, as it went on, you know, after 16, 17 is whenever I felt it from spring training and it never went away. And then as I, as I got closer to, you know, my last game pitching, it just got, the pain was just at a steady, like, like climbing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I mean, I think the outing before one of my last, I, I, I had a walk off walk. Mm. I think, I think I walked the bases loaded and then I walked the guy in or something like that. Dude, right. it was, it was a br- brutal. And so, it's funny after that game, like my arm was hurting so bad, but I was like, "There's no way I can say that my arm is hurting." This is my this is where my mindset was for right. some reason. I was like, "I can't end my I can't end like this. I can't like uh, I can't allow this injury to to overtake my performance like this. Like I can't go to the trainer and say, "Hey, my arm is hurting," because I felt like maybe people would think it was an excuse and I didn't want it to be an excuse. Right. And then, so I waited to pitch into a, a game wherever I, I pitched, I think a couple more games or maybe a, an inning after that or something like that. And I did. Okay. I think I remember. And, and then, um, what's it called? And then after that, it was like, I can't even control this pain. And my mechanics were so, you know, bad. And mentally I was just so defeated that, you know, I was, my performance was not going to be good. you know, so, it's it's a, it was a crazy like feeling that moment. Oh no, and I can only imagine because I know the type of pitcher that you were in Miami, and then when you got traded to New York, and of course we'll get to all that later on. But I'm thinking, knowing that you were going to be part of the team, and I'm saying to myself, oh wow, AJ Ramos, he's certainly going to be an upgrade. And of course you weren't pitching to the level that you were in Miami, and it made me think in the back of my mind. I said, this is not AJ Ramos because I know that he's had All Star years, he's had good years, dominant years, and then of course. Not to say that you want to put all the excuse on the injury, rightfully so, but at the same time, that really explained as to why you weren't pitching as effective as you were in Miami because of the injury. Yeah, I was disappointed in that, man. I had I had big plans because I felt that the way I was going, um, I was getting more confident. I was, you know, able to kind of show more of me, you know, and, and play more loose. And when you're playing at that, you know, that looseness, Mm-hmm. you you know you play better but you know uh when i got when i got there like it just wasn't i could not turn that turn that on man i mean mm-hmm. the injury you know of course was a big reason but it was just tough and i was really disappointed because i i knew that you know because once once you pitch good in new york like you're you're like you're you're real I oh guess yeah you don't want to say you know what i mean it's oh like, yeah hey, if you can do it in, in a in a hard city like that you know with the mets especially because you know how the mets the, the, there's always some sort of news on them. Yep. You know what I mean? They're always in the news. So if you can if you can make it in that type of environment, that says a lot about you as a player, you know. So I really, really wanted to do it. I think that's what kinda kept pushing me through that injury was like was like, nah, hell no, nah, man, you're tough. If you make it here, you can you know, you can show your I don't know, you just go to a different level, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what kinda was in my head where I was like, No, I can't be injured. I'm not gonna allow myself to be injured. But I gotta I gotta fight through this, I gotta show how tough I am, you know. So and you know, that's that that kinda ego thing, you know, messes with you, you know. You gotta you gotta be able to understand, you know, what you can and can't do and be realistic about it. And that was, you know, my fault, you know, I was too uh driven, I guess. 
Now, which is a good thing, but at the same time, of course, fighting through that and being able to, you know, try to perform at a high level and knowing that you weren't able to, like you said, the relief was that it sucked that you had to have the surgery, but at the same time, you know that this, in order for you to get right, that you had to go through that. So, and uh, yeah, we'll talk more about that later on. But uh, take us back, man. I know you grew up in Texas. I uh, was curious to find out what was it like uh, growing up in a household? What drove you to get into sports? Was baseball your first love? Was there another sport that you were into? Uh, tell us uh, what was the primary sport or primary sports that you were involved with back as a kid in Texas? I think you know, from a young age, I had a pretty good arm. Like I always had a, like from the first thing I threw, I think my dad was like, wow, he has a good arm. But, you know, it's funny because you, I hear a lot of parents say their kids have really good arms and it's it, it's not that great so I wonder what what he saw like if I was actually that much better or like you know he was doing the dad thing you know right either way you know I took to baseball really easy and uh but I played football and uh I played basketball in junior high but I didn't grow too too tall so that's <laughs> right it was was out you know um but uh you know, I played football for a little bit, mm. and then up until high school, and my my high school team was really, really bad. I think all four years that I was there in high school, um, they won four games. So they won one game a year. So I was not, I didn't want to get into football and get hurt because I knew, I knew baseball was going to be wh- where it was at for me. Right. Oh no. And then obviously, when you went to college, you went to Texas Tech, which is pretty much right in your backyard, and then you had to suffer that unfortunate injury with your elbow where you had to get Tommy John surgery and kind of take us through that. Cause I'm sure a year from that time, that was, I believe 2008. So a year later, you're about to be drafted and you know that you want to make it to the major leagues. It's all about making it to the show. So what was your mentality like at that time? Was it more driven to say, ah, I got to get this taken care of so I could make it to the draft. Or was it at first you fit doom and gloom where you didn't think that, Oh man, I'm going to make it now because this injury is going to take me, you know, 12 to 14 months to recover. Man, I, I, I kind of feel like you know the answer to that. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> By the way, you know, so, you know, you, you'll see a pattern with me, and and you, you'll see that, like, I, I'm always trying to do the max amount, you know? Right. Like, when I work out, I work out hard, dude. When, mm-hmm. I, when, I, when, I, when I play, I play hard. Whatever it is that I'm doing, I do hard. And so, um, in college, man, I was like, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm good enough to get to the next level. And, and I, I, I knew that because of, I compared myself realistically to the talent that was around me mm-hmm. and, and talent that I seen or, or whatever. I was really like honest with myself. And I, I was, I thought, Hey, I have a, I have a shot here. So whenever I had that Tommy John, mm-hmm. I asked him, what are the chances that I can play the, like next season? Cause it would have been like, I'd be a true senior. I didn't want to register. Right. Cause I, you know that your your kind of your stock goes down in the draft or mm-hmm. so i was like they said hey now you have like a you have a decent amount a decent chance to get back in nine in 10 months to throw in games wow i said well all right cool i'm gonna do that and i worked hard and uh like i was just so i was so driven man like i was so hungry that like nothing was gonna stop me i had this mindset that like like i'm gonna get there like i was it's just a matter of time you know and and sometimes when you have that mindset you don't work for it but i was like still working like i didn't have a chance you know what i mean or like i was way 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 out right like i just i kept um so i was just really driven and i think that that you know helped me to get you know i was i think i was pitching in games in 10 months wow and uh yeah i ended up uh 
getting drafted that next year as a senior sign. So, um, or in the twenty third round, or was it twenty third round? Uh, from my research, I saw twenty first, but but it's all good. 21st, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> nah, and let me tell you, and that's one of the things too, because usually Tommy John, that's twelve to sixteen months. So you said you came back in ten months. So I can only imagine. Forget about the drive, the work ethic, etc. I'm sure you must have shocked not only your own teammates and maybe even some of the uh, managers, coaches at school, but I can only imagine what the scouts must have thought considering that they looked at your report and said, wait a minute, he's come off the surgery 10 months and here he is pitching in ball games." I mean, that's just unheard of. Yeah, well, I think that's that kind of scared some away. You know, it's like, well, it's only a matter of time till this kid blows out. Mm. And, I, and I, I would agree with them. You know what I mean? I would agree that, like, most people, you know um, – most situations like that situation have a high chance of, of injury of re-injuring, you know? So like they're a little scared, scared by that. But I think the game that got me recognized was, uh, I was playing against, uh, OU mm-hmm. in the big 12, uh, championship or big 12, uh, tournament. And I was, I was on that game and I was touching like think 93, 94. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I, I don't know how many innings I pitched, but I was, I was throwing, you know, I surprised some people, and that's where the the Marlins scouts saw me. So, because wow. uh, my soft, after my sophomore year, there was I had a lot of interest, and then, you know, I had again it was the same thing, dude. I got hurt the second game of the season in my junior year, and I didn't I didn't say anything until the last series of the uh, of the of the season. Mm-hmm. Like I pitched a full full year with a torn uh, ligament. And it was the same story. It was like I was able to kind of maintain, and then my, my play started to kind of fall off a little bit where I was shaky. And then there were times where I looked really, really bad, like like he's not even close to the strike zone right now. What is he doing? And then and then I'd recover, you know, like, oh, okay, there he is. He's back. Heart attack AJ's back. And then I'd, <laughs> then I'd throw like two bad games in a row and then one good game and then like four bad you – know, it was the same same story as, as I wasn't like – you know, in my pro career, you know, yeah. uh, so that's where I say that sometimes that drive and its determination blinds you a little bit. It doesn't let you see that that what you're doing sometimes is not maybe the best thing for you. You know, right. what I mean? like you need a little more clarity, like you want to be driven in certain situations, but don't let it overtake your whole mindset because that's how you do too much. You know, no, understood, man. Now, as far as Tommy John goes. As uh, someone who's, of course, experienced it, what do you think is the problem, especially throughout all of baseball? A lot of people attribute it to the slider. Is it the slider, or is it just because of all the pitches that are being thrown that it's just wear and tear on your arm? Obviously, I'm sure that you're probably well aware of how that may have happened or may not have happened, but uh, from your experience, what do you think is the issue when it comes to having Tommy John surgery? Is it the slider, or is it another pitch, or just the wear and tear? Um, I think it could be. The, the the you know the slider because I think some kids you know try to do too much with it too young mm. too early or whatever and then that, you know that kind of wears on your elbow as you get older and eventually like the, the amount of stress you put your your ligament under like I'd say like 80 percent of the pitchers pitchers are going to get it right you know, if, if you're at the elite level like I, I'd say seventy to eighty percent of pitchers probably had it before yeah because what happens is I think is you know we we put so much stress on it you know like we are too strong we're, we're becoming too strong for our ligaments you know what i mean mm, right like we have to build a, a better like you know we're lifting weights more than than we've ever have and mm-hmm. we're understanding how the the body works and how to maximize its its efforts in it 
And and when you do that, when you're maximizing the strength of your muscles, sometimes the ligaments aren't ready for that. Or you do it enough, it's going to wear down. It's like your tires, you know? You, oh, yeah. You get new tires and you're, you're going, you can go fast on them, but the faster you go, the faster they're going to wear out, you know? Like, so it's the same thing with, with elbows and shoulders. I think it's eventually going to happen to people who throw hard enough. Right. Um, or people who throw the wrong pitch the wrong way. But, um, you know, so there's a high chance if you're a baseball player that you're going to get that. So I think that's just going to be part of the game. What what sucks sometimes, though, is some of the kids that are getting these surgeries don't need it. Like their parents want them to have the surgery so, because they think it makes you throw hard. Right. Yeah, hard. I've heard that. And I, I think I was throwing harder after that, after Tommy John, but also I wasn't hurt. So I was able, I was able to try harder, you know, like most of my, most of my efforts going towards the pitch instead of figuring out how to throw with, with no pain, you know, what I mean? yeah. <laughs> like when right. you have a deviation from, from a, from something that you're trying to get to, it's going to take you longer to get there. So any kind of deviation that that can mean like, you know, an injury or, or something happened off the field or whatever it is, like you got to have your 100% in it. Right. And injury takes some of that, uh, focus away. No, of course. Now, take us back to your Major League call-up, September 2012. I'm sure it had to be the ultimate thrill. So what were your first thoughts being in the big leagues, you know, driving to the stadium, putting on that uniform, you know, getting into a game? I can only imagine all that hard work from a boy, high school, college, going through the Tommy John to finally get to that point. Uh, trying to walk us through it, that whole experience when you first got to the big leagues. <laughs> Bro, that was like a dream. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> I believe it's, it. It's weird, man. It, it like because I think so many of your senses are are like going off. You know, you're you're excited because like you know this is everything you've worked for. You know, you finally made it. And then you know, for me anyway, that thought process was you know I, it was it was a lot of anxiety, but yeah. like good anxiety and bad anxiety. You know, it was just it was this max level of emotions. And I was, I was like trying to control them all, you know, like, because if you, if you let them go get out of control, you know, you're not going to be able to perform. But at the same time, you want to experience that moment, like, and all of its emotions, you don't want to try to act a certain way. You just want to like the way you capture a moment is you feel that full moment without any like restrictions of yourself. You know what I mean? Right. But as a big, as a big leaguer, if someone has to perform, you got to try to do that, but also lock it in because you can't be out there experiencing, you know, <laughs> when you're walking people and like, yeah. that's a horrible experience, you know, you want to, you want to have a, you want to be good as well. So it was just so cool. Like seeing the locker room and like being around the guys. And I can remember the reporters coming to talk to me and like not really knowing what to say. Right. <laughs> and then uh, going out for, for BP and like wanting to like, like run down all the balls, but like not wanting to look like a, like, uh, you know, a rookie, you know, trying to just try to play the role of like looking like everyone else. You know what I mean? Right. You know, like me, for for me, I don't want to stand. I didn't want to stand out. I just wanted just to learn. You know, I just want to play. So, you know, I was just trying, I was watching everybody and like watching how to move and how to behave. I was like, you know, adapting to my environment. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I was out in the bullpen just watching the game, just you know, ha- you know, it was it was dope. <laughs> and then the phone, it was like in the I don't know eighth, seventh, eighth inning. I can't remember what the inning was. And the phone rang, and it was like uh, Ramos. And then I was like, me? And they said, you're the only Ramos out here. <laughs> and I was like, oh, all right, cool. And I got get on the mound. The first ball I throw, like I lob it in, 
Yeah. Next ball, I throw my lob it in again to kind of get to kind of get a uh, um, warm, and then I I throw the next pitch like at like ninety percent of my effort, and the catcher like it he whiffs it because it's going faster than what he expected. Right. I was, I was lobbing it in there. I didn't let him know that I was throwing it hard and hit the back of the wall. And like in Marlins Stadium, you know, there's not a lot of fans, so right. like. It hit the back of the wall and it echoed throughout the whole like oh, stadium. Man. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> and then I think the pitching coach, which is Reed Cornelius, was like, "Well, they know who you are." That's it. And so I was like, "All right, cool, man." And then uh, uh, the song, or oh, then it was my turn to go in, and the song playing was uh, what was it that uh, Flowrider? It said uh, the lyric that came out that I remember running out to was, "Hey, I heard you were a wild one." Oh yeah. <laughs> and and I, that's the that's the first thing I remember running onto the field, and I, I remember just running and not being able to feel my legs. Wow! And uh, it was just like a weird feeling, and then having to control like those emotions. And uh, you know, I go through my little routine, and then I throw the first ball like to the catcher, and then as soon as I get that feeling, I'm like, oh, you've been here, you've been here a million of times, baby. Let's go. That's it's, it. It's just shine time, man. Let's go. <laughs> and then you know, then I was able to. Uh, strike out the side nice and which was a really dope feeling you know um and so that was like i guess like that's as good as it can go you know that's i was happy with it no absolutely now the crazy thing is is that we talked about uh 2014 getting off to that quick uh that fast start there you were seven and oh throughout the year and then i wasn't until i believe 2015 is when you became the closer because i know steve she uh had some issues there he wasn't able to get big outs and then of course you were the guy now as the closer now, did you always want to close? Did you want to be a starter? Uh, what was that like, especially now that you're in the big leagues and you feel like you finally arrived, but uh, did you want to close or was starting your whole, pretty much your whole mindset uh, going into the big leagues? Well, when I was in college, I, I was always pictured myself as a starter. And then uh-huh. even when I got drafted, I pictured myself as a starter. But uh, as soon as I got drafted, you know, they were like, you're going to the pen. And I understand, you know, when I when I go back and watch my mechanics from college, like I would just watch them and say, this guy, like if I was watching and, and being a scout, I would say, this guy is max effort. Mm-hmm. Like how long is that going to last? Like right. think about that, that frame and that effort pitching every five days. Like, is he going to hold up? So they, and they, so they put me in the, in the, uh, in the bullpen, which is understandable, but um, once I got to the bullpen and figured that out, I wanted to be a closer. So, so in 2010 or nine, nine season, when they put me in the pen, I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to try to work and be a closer. Cause starting is, is out of it for me. Right. Um, so then once I got to, uh, once I got, you know, to the big leagues, that was the goal. I was like, all right, who do I have to beat out to, to win this closing role? You know, yeah. and that was my mindset. And now that I think about it, Ozzy Guillen was your first manager because when you came up yeah, there in 2012, yeah. how was it like? I understand it was just a month because then they let him go the year after. What was it like uh, being having him as your manager, especially as a rookie coming into the big leagues? Uh, he liked me, man. He, oh, good. He liked me. And uh, so, like, you know, obviously manager likes you. He's going to treat you good. He, he, he took me under his wing, basically, man. He was a really cool guy to me. Uh, um, you know, uh, I started throwing my curveball again. In, in the big leagues, after and the minor leagues, told me to bang it. They was like, "Don't, don't, don't throw that. Focus on your slider." I was like, oh, "All right." And you know, I threw my curveball, and I, I was, I was doing really well with it. And he was like, "Did, I, did they tell me that, uh, or did someone tell me that you said that they didn't want you to throw your curveball?" 
Mm. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, don't ever listen to whoever told you that. He was like, that's, uh, you know, you throw whatever you want. And then he started to, you know, ask where, where I was during the season. He told the media, he was like, uh, you know, our, you know, we, we haven't been pitching very well. What, what, why I don't, I don't understand why this guy is just not coming up, you know? So yeah. like, he, he showed love for me, man. So it was, uh, it was cool. Um, I understand that season was crazy because they were filming that TV show. Oh, for Showtime. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I, I, they stopped filming uh, before we got up there, but I heard, you know, being around that in that vi- environment probably wasn't the best. No, nah, I'm sure. And I remember that too because that was the first year that the ballpark opened. And not only that, that was when they branded the new uniforms because they came from where the Dolphins play and that was a whole big deal. And, you know, they brought in Jose Reyes. They brought in all these players. And, of course... They- they it, bought everybody. Yeah, exactly. And then it bottomed out, and then they sold everyone. Well, they didn't sell everybody, but they traded everybody. They traded Reyes, Mark Burley, all these guys. And then here you are back at ground zero again from 2013 on. But the crazy thing is is that when between that time and now to go to 2016, because that was the year now you were fully entrenched on the team. You were the closer. You started off the season, I believe, what, 24 straight saves in a row? which led to your all-star berth, and we'll talk about that in a second. But to think, you guys were loaded both on the offensive side and obviously you had Jose Fernandez, which we'll get to in a minute, as being the ace of the staff. I can only imagine what the ownership, I'm sure they wanted to take this team to win. I mean, it's not as if this team's never won anything if they go back to 2003, but what do you think was the problem there in Miami as far as not being able to build with the young guys like yourself, Giancarlo, uh, Yelich, Ozuna, etc. There had to be something missing there in order for this team to finally get over the top. Any idea what that is? Uh, we were missing starting pitching. Mm. Um, you know, we needed we needed one at least one more guy uh, to really help that rotation. Um, I mean, they were planning on building around Jose. I think I think we were on the on the way to being a, a force to be reckoned with. Um, and then Jose passed away, and then mm-hmm. that kind of stopped everything. That, you know, that we had such good talent, and a lot of that team was from the actual organization. Yeah, and I think, yeah, like Stanton, me, Fernandez, Kohler. Uh, there, there was a lot of guys that that were drafted by the Marlins. I can't remember who else was, but there was a few more. And so, like, I think they they had their team. They just needed to trade for a few. A couple more more pieces, you know, a couple pitchers that that could have uh, starting pitchers that could have really, uh, you know, been solid choices after Fernandez, you know, because all that one was he just had to face Fernandez, you know, that was yeah. a big guy. Then who else? Who else did we have? We, I mean, we had well, Evaldi was pretty good. Kohler did had had really good games. Yeah, Kohler had success, and I know you had uh, uh, Adam Conley, I believe it was a lefty. Yeah, Conley, Conley was doing pretty well. I think he was probably better in the pin. Right. But yeah, no man, we we had we had we had pieces, man. We just needed one more guy, you know, one more, you know, solid starter. That, that I think that would have kind of morphed into itself, and then we would have made trades or whatever we needed, you know. Oh no! Next year, no, absolutely. And that was the one thing before we get to talk about your All Star experience. I'll never forget. There was a time, I believe, it was in mid August, where you guys had won, I think, thirteen of sixteen, and you were sixty six and sixty three, and you were in the middle of the race. And a lot of people were surprised. They're like, wow, look at the Marlins, what they've done here. Considering, right, you didn't have the complete starting pitching other than Jose. And then after that, just like it seemed like somebody just pulled the plug. 
and the lights went out. Do you recall that stretch there where you came back, got yourselves into the mix, and then yeah. those few weeks afterwards? Like, yeah, what do you think took place there for you not to be part of that pennant race? Uh, it just kind of fell off, man. It just kind of, you know, we, we were riding that, that that surge. And, you know, there's a lot, there's ebbs and flows of the season. Oh, yeah. And, and, and we hit the we were just so far back when we hit that surge, you know, and we actually came from, you know, out of nowhere with that. And, you know, it was just, it was just, we had, we were so far back and we had so much to overcome that it would take like a, a really special surge. Like one of those, like if we would have did that, we would have went to the world series type surge. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, it had to be, be something like that. Um, so we were just, we just had too much to overcome in that in that moment i remember that though because uh i remember talking to stan and was like damn this is like the closest we've ever been in it right you know and this is the longest we've ever been in it you know so it was it was kind of it was fun it was fun to play like that man it was can't imagine like hopefully i get to experience you know playoffs or a world series in my career you know that'd be mm-hmm. really dope oh yeah now that season of course you made it to the all-star game I can only imagine what it must have been like to get that call. And I'm sure, you know, you hear a lot of rumors and buzz. Like, hey, man, you may make it to the All-Star team, whatever. Where were you when you got the call that you actually made it to the team? Um, I was in, uh, I think we were in Chicago, mm. I think. Um, yeah, yeah, we were in Chicago. Uh-huh. And um, what's it called? Yeah, that's, that's where I got the news. And that was pretty cool. Uh, I had thought I had it shot the year before. Uh, 2015, mm-hmm. I, I thought like I was going to get a, you know, get on there. Right. And, uh, I was, so I was, I was a little disappointed when I didn't, but like, you know, I wasn't mad about it cause you know, uh, I was, I came out of nowhere. I was nobody. So like, I, I, I figured I had to have like a couple of good seasons in order to be considered an all-star, you know? So when I repeated it on 16, I was just in a zone, man. It just, it was yeah. a good, I was just in a good flow. Um, <clears throat> And I wasn't thinking a lot. Like a lot of times, I was pitching. I just had a song in my head, and I was just cruising, dude. Yeah. So you know, when you're when you're flowing like that, man, you can you can play around with it and have fun with it. Um, you know. So I think it was just one of those times, and and I I think that I I can repeat that. You know what I mean? I have I have a I feel like I can repeat that that feeling again. It's just uh, it takes some focus to get there. You know. That's it. Yeah. Now, what about the experience itself, just being there? Of course, I know the Home Run Derby. I'm sure that's going to be the one that sticks out, of course, because we all know who won the uh, Home Run Derby that year. But uh, as far as the game itself, you know, meeting players from, let's say, the American League, which obviously you're not going to bump into. I don't understand interleague play, but to get in touch with some of the All-Stars there, what was that whole experience like for you being there for the very first time? It was dope. I mean, like uh, when you think about like, you know, when we're actually on the field and, and like the game was going on or the, um, the home run derby was going on, that was really dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other part that comes with it, you know, it's a busy, busy day, dude. Like you're, yeah. you're, you get up at nine and you're doing stuff from nine all the way until the home run derby or until the game. Right. You know what I mean? So like it, it, and it's on interviews and, you know, um, so it, it kind of makes things go a little bit quicker than I wanted because it was so much like – I didn't get too much time to just sit and admire being there. You know right. what I mean? Uh, you're getting asked. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, that's, that was bad, but I'm just saying that I didn't really get to, to really uh, experience it as well as I wanted, but it was what I got to experience. It was, it was fun. It was, yeah. I would love 
to do that again. You know what I mean? Um, it was fun. It was cool. Oh, nice. And then, of course, the next year to go to 2017, uh, obviously just a lot of disappointment considering that, uh, you know, the team certainly didn't uh, flourish or certainly didn't piggyback from what happened in 2016, that little stretch there that we talked about. And then, of course, the trade came when you brought, was brought up north to the Mets. And I was actually surprised because, as I said to you from the start, I mean, I'm a huge Mets fan, so when I knew that you were going to be part of the team, I was like, oh, wow, and we needed relief pitching in the worst way. Were you disappointed when that news came down, considering that you grew up in the Marlins organization and obviously all the years of blood, sweat, and tears that you put in there? Or was it just a thing where this is a new opportunity for me not only that, but uh, you felt it was just time considering what you put there in Miami in those first five, six years. Uh, well, I didn't mind. I mean, of course, you know, just, you know, being in the Marlins organization, it's something that was familiar to me and it was something that I loved and I had great times and, and all that, you know what I mean? Like, so that, that emotional part of it or whatever, the you know, um, what do you call it? Just because I, I got drafted by them and the appreciation I had for the organization, you know, that I was sad because of that. But as far as when I got traded to, to the Mets, mm-hmm. um, I was excited to play for a team that was going to contend. Yeah. You know, I'm like, damn, I love the Marlins and I love the direction we're heading right now. I don't think we're going to get there. I think think there has to be a change in order for for for, for this organization to start winning. And, and if it's you know, I think it's going to take a lot or whatever. So I don't mind getting traded to an organization that is closer. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so, you know, I was excited about that. Um, so it was like bittersweet because I, you know, I miss all my, my, my old teammates, but also, you know, I was going to be able to play in a, in a big market and, you know, one that I can prove myself in. No, of course. And then one of the things that sticks out too, and I think about those uh, final couple of months in 2017, because I had read some uh, quotes of yours when you were going to face Giancarlo Stanton, who, of course, is a good buddy of yours, and how that was going to be where you're going to be on the mound. And I believe that happened in Miami. It didn't happen here in New York. And I believe in his only at-bat, you walked him. So I could only imagine what that must have been like. You Here you are. I mean, that's your dog. You've known him for forever, it seems, especially your baseball life. And there you are, toe in the rubber, and you have to see this guy, 6'6", who's built like a Greek god. And, of course, it's your boy, but at the same time, uh, I can only imagine what that experience must have been like. I wanted it too bad, man. <laughs> I wanted it way too bad. I was like, I was, you know, I mean, you don't want to lose to your boy. Nah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to have any hard, like, feelings toward him or what, nothing like that. But you just don't want to lose. No, nah, definitely I mean? not. Like, that's something you can't do that. That's bragging rights. You know, and like, but, uh, you know, I, I think I, I was just trying. Also, my arm was killing that game. I remember after mm. that game. Because I was throwing, I threw a lot of pitches, max effort. You know, I wanted to face each row, and I was trying to, you know, strike him. I wanted to strike everybody out. You oh, know yeah. What I mean? So, you know, I was really going hard. And, uh, but it was it was funny. It was funny to see him on the other side. It was cool, man. Hopefully I get to face him again. And, uh, you know, I think it'll be, I'll be more uh, tame, I guess. I won't, I won't try to do yeah. too much up there. Right, you won't be too amped. <laughs> Yeah, I won't be too wet, man. I'll take a chill pill, but uh, <laughs> but no, man, it, it was cool. It was cool seeing him. Uh, kind of wanted to laugh when you stepped in the box. Yeah, but uh, but, uh yeah, it was cool. No, I hear you, man. Now, what was your experience being a Met? Because I know you just had those two months there, and then you started off 2018 before you had the shoulder injury. So, uh, as much as I'm sure you wanted to 
make a splash and wanted to show and prove to your new team that you were capable to pitch in this big market and the fans, et cetera. But uh, your experience for pretty much when you think about it, just the back end of 2017 and the top, you know, the front part of 2018, uh, what are some of the things that pop up as far as being a Mets concern? Man, I love the city. Mm. Like, I love the feel of it. I love the, I loved living in New York, man. I, I, it was, I liked it a lot. Nice. It was fun. Uh, the fans, you know, there was there was always a good amount of fans, and they they cared, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and that's why I never got offended by anybody's like comments towards me because they're, they're just passionate people, and and they they want the team to win. And uh, but I guess what they fail to understand is that the player also wants to really win as well. Oh, dude. no doubt, yeah. Like a lot of those times, dude, I was so mad at myself whenever I, I like did bad or whatever, you know. So. Um, but no, man, the fans, the vibe of the, of the, of the games, um, I never got to strike out anybody and have the, the seven line. Is that what? Oh yeah. Yeah. The seven line. Yeah. I never had got to strike anybody out while they were there. Oh wow. Hear their their chance. So that was something that I wanted to experience, but, uh, I didn't get to, (laughs) um, but yeah, man. Uh, so you know, hearing those uh, those chants and all that stuff is is what I remember about being a man. You know, and the, you know, just the organization was was, was good, man. Oh, I mean, nice. I only only know two. I only know the Marlins and the Mets. You know, so yeah, I really, I don't have much to base it on. No, absolutely no. I totally dig it. Now, a couple other things. This is a little bit off the beaten path, but I just I find it fascinating because I'm sure not only as a Listen, I'm 51 years old, bro, and I've been I love baseball my whole life, and it's a thing where as much as I love following the game, but when I see camaraderie, when I see chemistry that you have especially amongst teammates, to me I find it fascinating. I'm sure maybe some of the people that will listen to this, I'm sure they'll feel the same way. Now, I know that you travel a lot, especially in the off season, and of course you travel with Giancarlo and also Ricky Nolasco, who's your former teammate also when he was down in Miami back, you know, years ago. And I know you you take several trips throughout the world. I'm curious to find out who's the one that orchestrates that. Yeah, I'm sure it's a group effort. I'm sure everybody's like, all right, hey, we're all going to choose this place or whatever. But is there one person out of the group that says, uh-uh, I want to go here? Or, no, nah, I'm going to take care of all the travel as far as the itinerary is concerned. And then you just take off and go. Uh, I would say G does a lot. Giancarlo does uh, does the most. Oh, all right. Although, like, we uh, – me and Ricky will have like put like input, mm-hmm. so he'll say, "All right, we can do this. What about this city? This city? This city?" And then we all throw in our our places, and right. then he kind of like maps out like how we're gonna travel in order, like the most efficient way, because we like to go to like four or five different places, you know, mm-hmm. be there for a few days at a time, and it just you just see more, and and it's you get to experience more. I feel like you know what I mean. So, oh yeah. Uh, so we map out a, a, a like a route so that we're it's the most efficient, and then we go from there. But I would say G does like a lot of it. Oh, all right. Now, what was out of all the places? And I've seen some of the pictures. I follow you on IG, my man. So you know, I can't help but ask. But what was one of the 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 top place or the one place that you visited that you loved the most? Uh, I mean, let's see. Just for like the site or the place, it was um, Egypt with the no. pyramids. Nice. That that was probably one of the coolest like mental images I'll have in my head, you know, and we got to climb the, the pyramids. Uh, mm. I don't think you're supposed to, but wow. we got to climb. Well, back then it wasn't, I think I saw, I've seen some people climb it now, but um, whenever we went, it was supposed to be illegal and they let us get up there. 
Wow. And uh, that was pretty cool, man, to uh, to experience that. So that was probably my the coolest uh, site I've been to. Um, but uh, let's see. I, I, I've had fun everywhere, though, dude. No, I hear that, man. No, that's what's up. And especially yeah. Egypt. I, like you said, the, the pyramids and just to be out there. And like you said, the scenery, that must have been second to none. Yeah. Also, Marbella, Spain. In Spain, mm. it's kind of like a San Diego feel. Oh, really? Ah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. But, you know, it's in Spain, so, like, the scenery there is cool. The uh, the food, uh, hotels, it's it's really nice. So that, that would be another place that I really like. Oh, nice, Spain. And then that's another thing, too, man, because I, me being a Mets fan, I got to hear from Yankee fans all the time, and I know they get on this case, and I understand this is probably a question more for G, but the Yankee fans need to get off his back, you know, and I just can't stand it because I know if he was a Met, forget about it. I'd praise him no matter what. But uh, if there's one thing, though, that – if the Yankee, I don't want to say the Yankee fan. I'll cancel that out. Uh, give us something about uh, Giancarlo that people don't know about that obviously you do, considering the friendship you have with him. Uh, let's see. Um, he listens to all kinds, all different kinds of music. I'd say, like that's oh, kind right. of one thing you would think that he maybe listens to just like hip hop, or I don't know what you think he listens to, but he has a wide variety of of, uh, of music. Right, you know, I've, he listens to a lot of things, so I guess maybe that would surprise some people. Oh, all right, cool. With so, with some of the things he he listens to, so no, absolutely. I guess that'd be one thing. All right, and then of course I have to ask you this: What is your fondest memory and story of Jose Fernandez? Uh, man, well, j- just before every time uh, we would you know, it would be pitcher stretch, or no, no, we, we yeah we would get done with our pitcher stretch and we go in and we change our spikes to go out to to go shag for for bp mm-hmm. and every time it would be me and him one of the last last ones out of the locker room and we'd always give each other crap you know like uh you know say hey man why ain't you outside get outside like kind of give each other like the same you know back and forth with that you know so yeah. that would be the thing that i miss the most man mm-hmm. well not the most but like one of those weird things that i i'll i'll miss like because that was every day and when right. i didn't have that it was just a weird, weird feeling, and even just being out in in, uh, in, the, in the outfield during BP, because you know he was running around all the time, or yeah. yelling, or whatever. You know, he was always he, he let you know that he was around, and, and right. it was uh, so it was weird, just like not being, not being around that man. And I watched some video the other day, and I and he was it was of him pitching it, or of him like just in the dugout and stuff like that. And I was yeah. like, realized like how much I missed him. Oh yeah. He, he was in such a good presence, man. He was a, he was a, he was a good energy, and he was always like playing around. He was a, he was a good guy, man. No, absolutely, man. And when I heard the news of that, I was just floored. And I please, I'm just a fan from afar, so I can't even imagine what. Uh, and I'm not, of course, I'm not going to bring that up as far as what happened there. The whole 24 hours after that. In fact, I even watched that game. You guys played the Mets in that first game, and D Gordon and that story. And I mean, yeah. please, you can't even make that up, man. That's how amazing that uh, how that all unfolded with the game, as far as that's concerned. Yeah, dude, it was it was crazy, and there was a a couple of things that were weird too. Like there, I think it was posted on World Star um, that the one single cloud that was raining on top of the, the stadium, mm. uh, there was that, and then there was a Damn. rainbow that went from one end and it ended where Jose Fernandez's crash was. Well, from the angle that we saw. It from, oh obviously. wow! And there was a couple of more things um, that that kind of like showed, and it was kind of. I don't know. It kind of made us made you feel good, I guess. You know, right. kind of recognizing that, you know, he's 
he's not like gone right forever you know he's 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 around Mm -hmm. you know his energy is around he's just not in his body anymore you know that's it no absolutely man and uh i'm sure please to this day look it's four years later and now that i think about it i know you guys went down to brazil when you uh had traveled you know three of you and i remember that mural that was down there that you guys commemorated for uh of course el nino which was jose fernandez and what was that like i'm who got in contact with the artist? Uh, how that did that? You know that all unfolded as far as getting that set up. Well, we kind of wanted, you know, you know, because around then we it was like a, our annual trip. Mm. You know, so we were gonna go, you know, travel, and we kind of felt like that was something that we really, really needed at that point. And I think we were talking, me and G, and we just kind of just was kind of saying he wanted to like travel for for him or be you know more because of him too as well to to, to live to, right. to make you realize that it can be gone in in an instant that's it so li- live your life you know so he kind of came up with that and so he, he got in contact with a uh with an with a uh street artist there because well, actually we had a security guard there because there it's a little bit dangerous and uh he knew some some graffiti artists or whatever so he he had us you know, got us in contact with them and, uh, or G in contact with them and we set it up, but that was most, that was mostly G's idea. Wow. And, uh, and we came up with like Nino and, uh, you know, we, all the little stuff on it, you know, and it was, it was, it was a really cool moment. Um, it was, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was, it was good. It was good. No, I can imagine, man, definitely just to commemorate, you know, his life and obviously his legacy with, uh, you playing as a teammate, for all those years. All right, so now some rapid fire before we uh, let you go. And again, AJ, I appreciate all this time that you've given me to kind of go about your career, talk about it, etc. So who's the best teammate you ever had? Um, let's see. Uh, ooh. Um, wow, man. That's a tough question. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, I can't think of his name right now. He played for the he played for the Cubs. He was a pitcher. And he was he – was, uh, Big dude, big. Uh, oh, Andrew Cat. Oh, Cuban. You said. Yeah. Uh, Pedro, 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 Pedro. Or was he Venezuelan? Uh, he's, he, oh, Carlos Zambrano. Yeah, Zambrano. Oh, for real? <laughs> yeah, he, he was like you wouldn't think he'd be a good teammate, but he was a he was a really good teammate, man. He was a really nice guy, like real calm and collected. You see him in the dugouts, and he's like, or like in his past videos, and he's really mad. Yeah. And like yelling at at everybody, but he was really calm and cool. He was and. uh also, too, Steve Ciszek. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a really good teammate as well. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, your favorite uh, MLB city to visit? Uh, New York. Oh, all right. Uh, or no, or L.A., L.A., L.A. L.A., okay. Uh, toughest battle you faced? Um, who was it? Oh, well, for me, he always gave me trouble. It was Ian Desmond. He always gave me trouble. Mm. But uh, uh, let's see. Big Poppy, actually. Oh, all right. Was probably the toughest, yeah. Oh, and what about the guy you owned? Mm, let's see. Who did I own? I always, I wouldn't say owned Jason Worth, but oh, okay. uh, he 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 always just missed me all the time. Like he he hit, I don't know, like seven or eight balls to the warning track off uh-huh. of me, probably. Wow. So he just missed, any, but he never gets a hit off me. So. <laughs> But uh, also uh, Matt Adams. Oh, Matt, you own him too. Check yeah. that out. Well, you know what's funny? I did some homework, 
And you know what I saw? And I couldn't believe it. I saw that. I was like, wow. Because, of course, NL East, you're going to face him a bunch of times. Do you know what Freddie Freeman's stats, lifetime stats are off of you? <laughs> no. Fam. No, he, I know he hates facing No. <laughs> yeah. He, you, he had nine at-bats against you. He was 0 for 9. You struck him out six times. Yeah, dude. He he tells me, too. Every time I see him when we play or whatever, I see him outside of the, the ballpark. I hate facing you, dude. <laughs> Just give me a fastball, man. Don't don't stop stop playing with me. I don't oh. know that. Yeah, man. Because I saw I was you know of course doing some homework and I looked and I said, damn, Freddie Freeman didn't even do anything off of you. So I was like, yo, I definitely got to bring that up to you to see if uh, you remember that. That's funny. All right. So then, lastly, will we see in the major leagues come this year? Because obviously the shoulder, the the labrum surgery, all that. We want to make sure that uh, obviously you're 100 percent healthy, ready to go at it again. And uh, do you think uh, the the opportunity once baseball comes back, of course, that you'll uh, be back in the major leagues again? Yeah, man, that that's the goal, dude. Uh, I've been I've been feeling really good. Like I said, it's been feeling really light. Mm. Um, start throwing some bullpens. Uh, I'll ramp it up pretty quickly. Throws with some hitters, and then uh, I don't know exactly what the process is as far as like how scouts will come out to see you or you guys send video. I don't know what the process is. Honestly, I think it's kind of early to. Right to figure it out right now, you know, I, I still got to talk to my agent about that stuff. So, um, but I'm not, I'm not there just yet. I have to get to that point to be able to, uh, you know, send out the word to, for contact for scouts to come out or mm. whatever. So, um, I got to work to get to that point. I uh, know I hear that, man. Listen, AJ, all the best to you, my man. I really appreciate it. This was a like, tremendous honor and pleasure to have you on here. And, uh, of course, best of luck this year, and we hope to see you on a Major League mound, hopefully the Mets. But if not anywhere, whether it's the National American League, we hope to see you back out there soon, man. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was a good time. Oh, thanks, man. Many thanks to A.J. Ramos, pitcher who is looking to get back in the Major Leagues, and I would think he will considering the dearth of good relief pitching that's out there. I would hope that the Mets would even entertain that. Despite the fact that they have Dylan Batantis in the mix and a couple of the guys that they have in that bullpen, whether it's Jerry's Familia, obviously we know about Edwin Diaz, Justin Wilson, but hey, another arm certainly would not hurt whenever baseball does resume. People, all I could do and ask you, whenever I get a guest like this, especially when it's a former athlete, current athlete, whatever it may be, whether it's sports writer, broadcaster, blogger, etc., one of the reasons why it's important for you guys to subscribe rate and review, and I know I can't hammer that home any more than I already do, but because I independently host, edit, write, and produce this podcast, and I'm sure you all know, for those who are well-versed in podcasting, and I'm sure you have many people that you follow, or many people that you listen to throughout the course of your day, week, evening, etc., the reason why I ask you to do all that is because once you subscribe and also leave any type of review or rating... All that's going to do is spike up the interest of this podcast with people who aren't familiar with this podcast. So, And we all know there's zillions out there. And not even just in sports, which is obviously very competitive, but you have others, whether it's film, true crime, music, lifestyle, etc. So if you do that, people, and again, it just takes seconds. All you got to do is go to your podcast app, or if you download it through Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, CastBox, any one of those particular platforms, again, increase the visibility of this podcast and all it will do will generate interest to those who aren't familiar with this podcast. So of course, if I were to forward to someone like AJ Ramos or another athlete or 
broadcaster, etc., at least I have an idea of who I am as opposed to me being just another average Joe who's trying to put a podcast up there. So I implore you guys to do that. Again, I'd be forever grateful and thankful for you doing so. And on top of that, if you have any questions, comments, criticism, praise, you can reach out to me on any of my social media accounts, whether it's on Instagram, J Reels, or even the J Reels podcast, which is Strictly Sports. You could hit me up on my DMs there if you like, as well as Twitter, J Reels One, just a number, the J Reels podcast on my Facebook fan page, and the old fashioned way by email, the J Reels podcast at gmail.com. I'll be more than happy to respond to any of the inquiries that you may have, if whatever it is, towards the show, what you think about the intro that's finally been announced to the world after 124 episodes. I mean, geez, you would think I would have been able to come up with some sort of better intro than that. But again, with licensing and copyright issues, of course, I just can't pick any song. Thankfully, I had Cyclonus, who I'll put in the show notes, who produces his own music and is actually blood relative of mine. He was gracious enough to hand over one of his many beautiful samples or instrumentals, and I was able to put that here at the top of the program. So, people, I hope you enjoyed that. It was a great time. Once again, thanks to AJ Ramos. And lastly, you know I do it for you people. I want to inform and entertain you guys in as many ways, shapes, forms possible, whether it's just my own commentary on what's happening in the world of sports, which I do every Monday, and to follow that up later in the week with conversations like the one you've just heard, which I'm hoping to do more on the regular because the one podcast a week, for me, isn't just cutting it. And I get that during this time where obviously everybody is at home doing the usual as far as just watching Netflix and trying to just get by just to get back to work or whatever it may be. But I'm just hunkered down, just trying to do the best that I can to provide not only top entertainment, but also to discuss everything that's going on in the world of the diamond, the world of the ice, the world of the gridiron, the world of hardwood, the golf course, racetrack, tennis court, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond. Peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J-Rose Podcast, on the flip, baby.